0: Church how y'all doing man? y'all look pretty today y'all know that I was sitting there worshiping and there was like five of us in here and then I woke turn around and everybody's filled in that's amazing amen <laughs> um we're gonna be in first Thessalonians uh chapter two today. Uh, if you got a Bible and I hope you do, please turn to that um and if you don't, uh, we will have it on the screen uh. And if you have a mobile device in which you use, that's fine. But if I catch you on, on Facebook, uh, I'm going to pray your thumbs fall off. Amen? Amen. Uh, <laughs> um, while you're turning, was, everyone look in your seat. There's a, I'm going to keep telling you this until uh, it's here. But in two weeks, well, actually it's next week, um, it's, we're going to have our fall festival. And um, we really want to invite the community out just to to hang out with us and be a part of this with us um, so we can just love on our community. and. First and foremost, so that we can start to get relationships with people in our community so that they know that, hey, we're not these weird people. We really love Jesus, and we love them. Amen? And so we want to invite um, our community out. And so just give this to whoever. um, Tape it to whatever. Do whatever you need to do with it. So invite as many people as we can. Everybody? Everybody found a place? Everybody find your place? Amen. All right. right, We're going to read. just two little short verses, and then we're going to pray. So in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7, at the end of verse 7, it says, Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we care for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Father, we thank you. Uh, for your love for us, God. We pray this morning that you would speak to us in an intimate way. I pray, God, that we would actually love each other like we say we do from this day forward. I pray, God, that we would commit to love. I pray, God, that we would commit to your gospel and that we would be men and women of your gospel. And, Father, I pray that we would be people that intentionally spend time with each other so that we may know you more intimately God, just move in our hearts. God, give us a heart for discipleship. Give us a desire to know you more. And give us a desire to be on mission for you. Help us, Lord, be your people so that you may be our God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hold on just a second. You know I got the keys to everything, right? That's how you silence fear right there. Cuz that was the out with the fire alarm. See, we was praising a little while ago. See how see what happened? So, anyway, back to 1 Thessalonians, okay? See how Satan tries to disrupt things. He says, "I love what Paul says. He's to the church in first in Thessalonica. He's at the church and and he's planted the church, and now he's writing a letter to the church." And in chapter 1, Paul, he's giving thanks to the people in Thessalonica. Like he's saying, I'm so thankful for your faith. I'm thankful he's building them up. He's encouraging them. He's trying to encourage them and make them understand that he's thankful for what they're doing. And then in chapter 2, it kind of talks about Paul's ministry in the church. And and, one of the things that Paul knew more than anything is that he knew that relationships mattered. In every church that he planted, in every area he went to, he didn't just go in and preach the gospel and leave. He went in and he established relationships with people. He started house churches. He, he went in and he began to have these deep-rooted relationships so that he could teach people the gospel. He could teach people how to love as Christ loved us. And he could walk with people so that they walk into maturity. So Paul knew that, that it was vital It was vital to invest time in other people in church. One of the biggest things that we lack in the church today is men and women that are willing to sacrifice themselves to disciple someone else. And discipleship, it it, it demands that we invest our lives in other people. The church is only superficial and shallow unless God's people step out and disciple one another. The reason the church is so powerless right now is because you have a lot of people that believe a little bit about Jesus. But if you had a lot of people that believed a lot about Jesus, a lot of things would be happening. And the thing is, 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 is we, we've we've grown up in this church era where we believe that all you have, all you, uh, only thing that, that God requires of you is that you submit to Him, you you give your life to Him, and, and, you, and you get to go to heaven. That there's nothing on on our side. And the Bible says, "Faith without works is dead." Amen. But we don't want to... You ain't going to amen me much today. I already see that coming. The thing is, is we have to actually, because of what we've done, because of what Christ has done, we're so thankful for what he's done, we're willing to do whatever he asks us to do. At least we should be. And so Paul, he was... You think about what he did. I mean, he was motivated by the gospel to go above and beyond, to make relationships, to be intentional with those things. And so... Now, I think we all know that it's, it's God's call for, his, for the church is to make disciples, right? But the church is made up of us, right? So if if it's the church, then it's our job to make disciples of Christ. And so it's not if you have time. It's a command. And, 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 The last thing Jesus told the disciples is that we should go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, right? We should go and teach them to obey God's word. We should be (coughs) men and women that are intentional on making disciples. But the reality is, in the church culture we have today, one out of a hundred will make a disciple. And the real statistic is, Most people will live their entire life and never share the gospel with anyone else. But we say we believe in the power of Jesus. We say we believe in God. We say we're obedient children of God. That statistic shows that we are a bunch of liars. That statistic shows that we don't believe what we say we do. And, and, And I promise, I'm not trying to beat you up this morning, but I want us to understand that the reality is, is if we don't stand up and do what God's called us to do, the world burns. If we don't stand up and do what we say we're going to do, our family burns. Because whether you want to believe it or not, your children are being discipled by the world or by you. And if we love, if we care, if we love our neighbors like we love ourselves, then by God, I don't want them to go in the wrong direction, do you? I don't want them to believe a lie about the gospel, do you? If I love them like I love myself, then I should realize that there's more to this. Paul's ministry, I'm telling you, that his church was so successful because he focused on, on the main thing. He focused on the gospel more than anything in the world. But when your life is transformed by the gospel, you're motivated by certain things. The gospel is centered and rooted on love. Amen? And you're, you're motivated by love to do things, to, to, to go into places because of, of love, not because of obligation. Obligation will only carry you to the door. But when the door won't open, you'll go home. Love will make you beat down the door to get in. Amen? See, that's the difference. And and Paul is here at this church, and he's probably telling them, he says, just as a nursing mother cares for her child, so we care for you. Now, brother, that is love right there. Because to to care for a baby... We got a few in here. To care for a baby and you're nursing a child, that, that is intense love right there. That is sacrificial love because you got to sacrifice to get up and feed that child. Amen? You should have amen right back there, back row. <laughs> you got to sacrifice. <coughs> you got to sacrifice that because you know that if you don't get up and do this, then that child could die. If you're lazy and like, you know what? let it fend for itself, I'm done with this, I'm tired, I, I, I haven't slept in three weeks, I mean, I am exhausted, that baby's been crying, I don't care, whatever. And I know you might have thought it, but see, the thing is, it, it, you're motivated by love because you love that child so much. You know what amazed me more than anything is when my little boy was born. The moment he came out, I all, I all of a sudden realized that I had never loved anything more in my entire life in that moment. And you know what's crazy is my wife has a deeper connection with him than I do because she carried that little rascal for nine months. And you know what's crazy is that love that, 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 that she has, I see that. She sacrifices for him. She does things for him that she would never do for me. Not that she don't love me, but she's got a deeper love. You know what I'm saying? There's a deeper love. There's a deeper connection there. So, so if Paul is loving the people here in, in the church, as a nursing mother cares for her children, let me tell you, homeboy was tapped in. He was sold out. It was all and, and you can't just elevate Paul and just say, well, he was a church planner. No, church was a child of God, and he's no different than you and I. Always have the responsibility to love that deep and love that hard, but we don't because love is an inconvenience. Love is an inconvenience. Now, now, hold up. I got something. We like a lot of people. We mess up and think that like is love. We say we love people that we don't really love. We just like them. And we say we love them to make them feel good, to make them feel like we're tighter than what we are. But really, we just like them. Because when you love somebody, you will persevere through something. When you just like somebody, you'll be like, deuces, we'll see you later. When things get hard, you out. You know why? Because you don't love them, you just like them. Y'all with me? And that's, we as the church, we don't understand what love is. We, we, we look at these Hallmark Channel movies and we think, oh man, that's love right there. Come on, don't judge me because you think don't judge me. Don't judge me. See, see, I mean, we we lack a genuine affection for other people, and that's a huge obstacle for us to making disciples. That's a huge obstacle for us as church as a church to actually be on mission for Christ because you can't be on mission for people you don't care about. Amen. And so he seemed like, like a nursing mother cares for his children. It was a deep affectionate love. To like something, to like someone, is to have the same type of interest. You, you, you like them because y'all have the same characteristics. Y'all have the same likes. Y'all y'all, y'all both hunting buddies. Y'all, y'all like the same hair color. You know what I'm saying? Like y'all like the same things. Y'all have common interests, so you like each other. And we think because we like those things, we have this we're compatible with one another. We we hang around people that are like us. Come on. How many of us have friends that we don't that we don't they're not like us? Very rarely do we have those things. But to love someone is to be attached to 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 be to show attachment to have to have affection, to be very extremely fond of to where if that thing was missing, that person was missing from your life, you would feel empty. And Paul had this, he had that fondness, he had that love for these people because he had been a part of their salvation, he had been a part of their life and he was leading them deeper to Christ. And so Paul was, he was in love with the people in Thessalonica. And to love someone, man, it goes so much farther. I think one of the greatest obstacles we have is love. Paul understood that the gospel is rooted and founded on love. So we must love one another as Christ loves us. So 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 to be a gospel-driven person, I have to let love do its work in me so that Christ can work through me. Amen? So if if love isn't doing work in me, then Christ is not going to flow through me because you know when it's going to stop? The moment it attacks Something that inconveniences me. When I have to give up my comfort and put the brakes on it. When I have to sacrifice some time, that's going to get away from it. When I have to sacrifice this or I have to get away with, do, stop doing that, then, you know, I don't, I don't love you like I thought I did. Matter of fact, I think I just like you. So because I just like you, then I can turn my back on you and I can walk away. See, church, we got to understand what love means. Because love will fight for something. How many of your friends are you willing to fight for in prayer? How many of your family members are you willing to fight for in prayer? Or are you just giving up on them? Because things and circumstances have hardened your heart to where you don't love them like you used to. Because you've allowed those things to get in the way. See, as I read this past week, one of the chapters in the Bible that has rocked my entire life since I've been reading it, it, is 1 Corinthians 13. This is, this is one of the chapters in the Bible that I had a lot of animosity toward family. I had a lot of animosity toward, toward things that I felt like I was wronged and didn't, wasn't done right as a child. And when I read this, it wrecked me because I realized that I couldn't hold on to me and hold on to Christ. I realized I couldn't hold on to the things and say that I love them but I, and, 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 and not love Jesus. So he says this. This is this is Paul's definition of love, church. This is this is Christ's definition of love. Okay, so Paul understood that this. That he writes this and making you understand that most people in re, most people are just religious, but you you can't you can be religious and not love. You can go to church and not love. Y'all with me? But you can't love Jesus and not love. You can't love Jesus and not love your neighbor. And some of us really need to work on this we can be the most religious person on the planet but not love and it's meaningless. He tells that in, 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 this, in this chapter here. I'm going to read this and we're going to kind of break it down. But he says, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels but I do not have love, I am only a, res- a resounding of a gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and if I have faith that can move mountains but I Do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, so that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. All the religious things in the world matter don't matter at all if we don't love. But he says in verse four, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes and always perseveres. See, See, Paul was seeing God move in a people that he didn't think, that they were going to move in. He went to this this place and planted this church and God began to do amazing things. How many of you want to see God do amazing things in your community? If you want to see God do amazing things in your community, then it all starts with love. It all begins with love. And I know this sounds so cliche and some people preach this all the time, but and, and we, act, we, we act like this is shallow, but this is the, the real depth and really the, Really, the wretchedness of our heart because we don't want to love like this. This is radical love right here. When I, if I sit down with a couple in marriage counseling and we start going through this list, they ain't coming back. They ain't came back. You know why? Because this makes me deal with me, and I don't want to deal with me. He says this, what love is, okay? Love is patient This comes back to where Paul. Paul's telling them, "I loved you so much, okay? I loved you so much. That's why I'm doing these things. That he was promoted by love. Why? Love is patient. If love is patient, what is patience? Is long suffering. I'm putting up with it. I'm I'm, going to continue because I'm patient. Love is. Ooh, come on, y'all with me. But, But first drop of badness, first drop of inconvenience, I'm out. First little little bit of hardship I'm doing because you're not satisfying my needs. Relationships are are so easily broken because we don't want to persevere. We don't want to keep pushing on because we don't love like Christ. And to love like Christ means I have to be long-suffering. I have to be willing to love you long, even though sometimes I don't feel like it. And that's radical. That's radical. In the world's eyes, because in the world's eyes, I love you until you come against me. When you come against me, when you inconvenience me, when you're when you messing with my time, when you're messing with this or that or the other, then I'm done with you. I'm going to love you as long as you love me, but when you don't love me back, I'm out. We got to keep persevering, I keep pushing on. Love is patience. See, church, we have to be patient with people. See, we think that when people get saved, they should be. Ooh, got their angel's wings and their halo on. Y'all with me? They should be perfect right then. But we have to be patient with people, making them realize that some people grow faster than others. So just because someone's not growing as fast don't mean we should write them off. We have to be long-suffering. That's what love is. Love does not, love is kind. Love is kind. Love is kind. was the last time you've been kind to people that were not kind to you? Kind is not conditional. Kind is, that's who you are. I'm going to be nice to you even though you are hateful to me. Who? that's hard. Huh, that's hard. And Jeremy can't do that. It's Christ in me. It's Christ in me. when, when I'm, I'm not telling you I'm perfect in this either. Y'all with me? Huh? I have to back up. But I'm telling you, when I start realizing love is kind, Love does not envy. It doesn't want what other people have. It does not boast. It is not proud. <coughs> it does not dishonor others. Love doesn't throw people under the bus. Love doesn't slander people. Love doesn't gossip. Ooh, y'all, go. Love doesn't. We talked about it at Connect Group this past week. Love doesn't gossip. Love, love doesn't do those things. Why? Because you love... Love doesn't do those because you love that person and you don't want to harm that person or those people. It's not self-seeking. That's directly against our nature. Y'all with me? Because I'm going to love you as long as I don't have to be inconvenienced. And, and, if, and if it starts inconvenience to in me, then I'm out. I'm done with this relationship. I'm done with this time because I don't love you like I say I do. Love is not easily angered. See, what I've realized is when we are easily angered, it's because we're not being we're not we're not actually loving them the way Christ loves us. Because we're angered because we're not in control and they won't do what we say do. I don't know how many times I've heard people say, "Well, if they would just listen." Well, who you want them to listen to? You want them to listen to God? You want them to listen to you? Come on. It keeps no record of wrongs. It keeps no record of wrongs. Y'all with me? It keeps no record of wrongs. See, how many, times, how many of y'all got a list? Right, see, go we, got some, we, got some, we got some people that's real in here today. I'm proud of you. Keep a list. Uh-uh. Back in 1981, this joker did this to me. Man, I tell you what, I had a friend of mine. I thought he was my friend. I couldn't find out he'd been mad at me my entire life because this one time in kindergarten, I stole his crayons, and he remembers that. And he let me know what for after we graduated. Now, we was all intoxicated, but anyway, it came out. And I'm like, are you serious? You've been mad at me since kindergarten because I took your crayons? He's like, yeah, now let's go. I was like, man, get out of here. Are you serious? People hold on to grudges cause, because it makes them feel powerful. We hold on to things. We keep record of wrongs because when we keep that record, that means it's just, we're justifying in our hearts the reason we hate them or we are mad at them instead of giving those things to God. That's not love. That's not love. He says it does not delight in evil. If we really love Christ like we say we do, then we won't delight in sin. So that, that is what love is. But what love does, I love this part, he says, Love rejoices in the truth. It rejoices in the truth. When I read God's word, when you read God's word, do you rejoice in the truth of God? Do you rejoice in those things? I I, I love those things. How many of you love it when the truth comes out? Huh? When the truth comes out, I'm like, I knew it right then. I knew it. We rejoice in the truth. It, it, It always protects. Strong language here. It don't say it sometimes. It always protects. Always protects. Me and Sabrina, we were walking down the sidewalk the other day, and, and she was standing on my right, which was beside the road. And I was like, girl, what you doing? Get over here. And she, we changed position. We were walking. She was like, why you got to be weird? Why, why, why do we have to move? I was like, because if a car runs over the sidewalk, it's going to hit me first because I'm supposed to protect you. And she kind of looked, she said, so you be willing to die for me? I was like, I'm just doing what God said to do, okay? If I die, I die. <laughs> but I have to always protect those you love. I think about my little boy. I'm, I'm, I love my little boy. You know what I do? Is I set up things to protect him. You know, I, the moment that he was born, my biggest fear is that young man would choke on something. Sabrina about choked one night before Payson got here, before she was pregnant. She about choked one night on a chip. We were watching a movie, and she went to laughing. I know how to do CPR. I'm a fireman. I know how to do those things. You know what? I I forgot everything. (laughs) When I realized she was choking, it was like WWF. I body slammed her on the floor. (laughs) Boom! It came out. It did come out. But I remember when Payson was born, the first thing I remembered was You've got, you got, you got to be intentional on making sure you know how to do CPR and how to, how to do the Heimlich maneuver when he's young. You know what I'm saying? I got to know how to do these things. But you know why? Because my greatest fear was that he would choke and he would die in my arms. I'm, I'm, I'm mentally preparing myself because I want to protect him. You know, I want to protect him all the time. We do things to protect our children, but, but with other people, and we don't, we don't try to protect other people. I don't know how many times I've heard I've heard people say, "Well, if they're gonna be stupid, they gotta be tough." (laughs) I mean, I've said it, and most of the time is after I've done give them advice and give them advice and give them advice, and they just ain't gonna listen. So you just kind of just let them go. But if you really want to protect someone, you would go the extra mile. If you, think some, if you really feel like someone is blinded by something, you want to help them understand and protect them in situations. Your heart is to protect those. But you don't, have, you don't want to protect anybody if it's going to put you in a bad spot. So many of us won't get involved in anything because we don't want to get in the middle. Come on. I ain't getting in that, uh-uh, I ain't getting in the middle of that mess. You know, that, that's always going to turn out on bad. It always turned out bad for me. Next thing you know, everybody's mad at me. You know why you won't get involved because you're worried about how it's going to make you look. But if you really love that person, it wouldn't matter how you looked. You want to get in there and protect them. Amen? This is hard stuff, what love really is. But see, Paul went and did things. He didn't care what people thought because he loved them enough to step in. He, was, he loved people enough to, be, to die for them because in his mind, protecting them was he was trying to protect them from going to hell. He was trying to protect them from being confused by false gospels. He wanted to tell them the truth. He was willing to go as far as love would let him go to make them understand the truth of the gospel because he was motivated, and empowered by love for those people. Love always trusts. Love, always trust. You know why we don't get involved with anybody else? Because we don't trust nobody. You know why we don't trust nobody? It's because we've been wronged so many times. What does Paul say? I forget what lies behind, and I aim on to the prize ahead. Some of us need to read our Bible and realize that what happened yesterday, we need to get rid of. Right? Christ is not forgive us. It don't matter about what happened yesterday. It don't matter the hurt from yesterday. We got to bury yesterday. But we can't get through today worrying about what happened yesterday. We keep bringing up so many marriages can't get over what happened 15 years ago. They keep bringing it into today. We keep bringing it into today. And if you would just let it lay where it was yesterday, today would be good. But you can't let today be good because yesterday was 15 years ago. And you wake up with those same emotions because you won't let it go. You won't let it go. we got to realize that we have to trust. We won't get in relationships. We won't do life with people because we don't trust. See, God's called us to be a church. I'm telling you. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry. But God's called us to be a church that reaches those nobody else wants to reach the drug addict, to reach those who, who don't have, to reach those who have been in a cycle of poverty their whole entire life. And it, but guess what? You have to trust those people. So, so, I mean, I've heard people say, I don't want them in my house. Why? Because they might take my stuff. It ain't your stuff. God gave it to you. So we, so we don't trust people with stuff that we don't own. That don't make no sense. Because we've misrepresented what we have. We, 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 we've got this self of entitlement. And see, if I'm going to love people like Christ loved me, then I have to always trust because he's trust me. He's entrusted me with his gospel. He's entrusted me to be that, that man, or that woman, that's, that's walking the gospel out every day. He's trusting that I'm going to let the Holy Spirit do its work in me. Because if he didn't trust me, then he would have just programmed me to do what he wanted to do when he wanted to do it, and that way he would have total control. But because he trusts you, because he trusts me, then he allows us to choose, because love chooses what it loves. Man, that's amazing to me. Why should I not trust you if Christ has trusted me with someone? Love always hopes. Love always hopes. Love's always positive. Love always perseveres. Love don't quit. Love always perseveres. And I know this is contra- this is contradict to everything we've, we've grown up living. When it gets hard, you better just quit. When that person is hard to live with, hard to deal with, you just need to get out. And you can get out if you don't love. But if you love, you can't get out. If I love Jesus, like I say I do, I can't get out. That was one of the driving forces of me. When, we were, when me and Sabrina were going through the issues with our marriage, I kept persevering. I kept pushing on. kept going. And when I got to the place where I had done all I could do and she wanted out, I realized that it was only a matter of time. That God had to do something or I was going to or I was done. And God moved in that. So don't, don't hear me of saying that just because you persevered and it didn't turn out the way you wanted it to doesn't mean that you didn't love like you should have. Love means you have to persevere. Keep going. Because the love of God is not a quitting love. It's an ongoing, it's a persevering, it's, you keep going. Even when it's hard, even when everybody says you're crazy, you keep going because you're allowing the Holy Spirit and the love of God to work through you. Y'all with me, church? I know people don't, don't, this ain't popular, but this is real. And the last thing it says, it says love never fails. If I'm walking in the love of God, love never fails. Man, we got to understand that. That should should give me some some confidence of knowing that if I'm pursuing Christ, and I'm allowing Christ to work in me, and I'm I'm being that vessel, and I'm loving through that, then Christ ain't going to let me fail. A lot of times we fail because we don't allow Christ to work through us. We fail because it's us working instead of Christ working. We're we're working away from God. And then we we want God to bless our mess. And we get mad at God because he didn't bless our mess when we didn't do it his way. And Paul says in the beginning of this thing, he says, He says, so we cared for you. He cared, they cared for them so much. Because we loved you so much, he says, because we loved you so much, then we delighted, we delighted not only to share the gospel of God, but our lives as well. He says, because we loved you so much. See, this is, I'm telling you, this is God just spoke, speaking to me. We don't share the gospel with people because we don't love them. I'm just going to be honest. We don't share the gospel because we don't love them. Or we don't love them as much as we love ourselves. Because we're too, hanging, we're too much hanging on to how it's going to make us look. We're too worried about feeling rejected. When they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting Jesus. We're too worried about our, our image. We're too worried about them going to think I'm crazy. It, it don't matter if you're following Jesus. They were compelled by love to share the gospel, church. That's one of the greatest obstacles of discipleship is God's people don't understand that it's our job to share the gospel. Not my job. It's our job to share the gospel. Somebody somebody look to your neighbor and say, it's my job. Some of y'all need to look back and say, it's my job. All right, we're going to keep here all night. It's my job. Look to your neighbor. It's my job. I'm seeing you. It's my job. Tell somebody. It's my job. All right, you just admitted it It was your job. It's your job to share the gospel. And we act like it's it's, it's, it's the preacher's job. It's Man, it's those that, that, that that are leaders' job. No, it's my job because I can share what the gospel has done in my life. And if I love you, man, the first thing that happened when I got saved is I was already telling people that were closest to me about Jesus. I, I, I ran home, and when I ran home, I, I went right up to my family, and I'm going to tell my daddy and my little brother about what Jesus has done. And they looked like they're going to take me to Milledgeville. They're like, this boy is crazy. What has happened to him? I was immediately just wanting to tell everybody what Jesus had done. I ran into my friends that weekend. I went to a party to tell people about Jesus, and I went to tell them about what God had done in my life, and they were just like, what? That stuff will fade soon. Everybody goes through that, Jeremy. That will fade. You'll come right back drinking with us in a couple months. It's okay. It's like, uh-uh, this is the real deal. I went to people I loved and went to sharing the gospel with them. And then later, what happened is, is I started thinking that it was something wrong with me because they were rejecting the gospel, and making fun of me. So I stopped, I allowed their ridicule to deafen the love of my heart for people. And then I found myself going to complete strangers because it's easy to tell a stranger about Jesus because it didn't matter what they said because you would never know what they thought about you. But then after rejection, after rejection, I was just like, What's the use? What's the use? Paul says he delighted in sharing the gospel. Why don't we delight in sharing the gospel? To delight in sharing the gospel, first we have to love Jesus and be compelled by that love. It's God in us. Amen? It's God in us. But maybe we don't delight in sharing the gospel. Maybe we don't delight in sharing the gospel because maybe, just maybe, we haven't seen the gospel transform us. For me, delight in the gospel means I have to see the gospel changing my life. I have to see the power of the cross changing me inside. When, let me tell you, when God starts changing you, you start getting excited. When God starts changing you, things start happening. you got to tell somebody. Amen? It's like fire shut up in my bones. When the gospel is active in Jeremy, I'm going to tell somebody. i got to show you something. I got, let, me, let me tell you how good God is. When, that, when, when God is moving, so the reason we don't, we, don't, we don't delight in sharing the gospel is either we don't know the gospel or the gospel's not changing us. And if it's not changing us, it's because we don't love God like we say we do. And Paul, he was all about, man, look at what, Paul, what happened to Paul on the road to Damascus church. I mean, it was transformative. He was on fire. He was willing to tell whoever, whenever, about the glory of God because of the transformation it made in his life. We are silent because we're not growing. We're silent because God's not transforming us. Church, when God's changing you, it is exciting. And Paul says that because we loved you so much, we delighted in sharing not only the gospel, but our lives with you as well. The gospel is so important. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. Without the gospel, all this is meaningless. The gospel is when Jesus Christ came to pay our penalty of sin, that we were not righteous before God, but when Jesus came, he, he died on the cross to save us of our sins. He, was, he, he died. And on that cross, when he died at that moment, the, the veil was torn. It gave us access to God because of his death. Then he was buried. And when he resurrected, whoo, he took the, the penalty of sin away from us. Amen? He gave us, he took the power of hell. He took the power of all those things away from Satan and he gave them to us. Amen? That's the power of the gospel. And he also, because of his death, burial, and resurrection, he was able to give us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit in us empowers me to love longer. Empowers me to persevere harder. It's activating and walking in the spirit church is what allows me to love my neighbor as I love myself. Because without the spirit, I can't love. Without the gospel, I can't love you. Without the gospel, I can't get over the past. Without the gospel, I won't even delight in sharing it with anyone else. And that's one I always wondered, like God, why won't people share the gospel? And if you link that church, I'm just going to be. Can I be honest? The church in America is ineffective because the people are. And it's not to browbeat any one of us. But people are dying and going to hell because we won't delight in the gospel. We don't delight in in, in God's goodness. And to delight in the gospel means you are actively being changed by the gospel. And maybe for some of you, the first way the gospel's going to change you is that you start changing the way you love people. You start changing the way you pursue people because only through the gospel can you love like 1 Corinthians 13, church. It's only through the gospel. He says, not only did I share the gospel, but I also shared my life with you. Not only the gospel, but my life. See, the gospel is easier for me to share than my life. So if I'm not sharing the gospel, then I'm not going to share my life. Because to share my life means it makes me inconvenient. It means I have to expose my children to things that, that I don't want them exposed to. I, have to. I have to expose my life to things that maybe I don't want, but I don't just if you will do, you will do that if you trust God. You will do that if you trust God. Why don't we delight in sharing our life with other people? Why? Why don't we delight in sharing our life with other people? I think a lack of time. We're not giving God's time. We have have become, we have idolized the time we have. and We're not giving God his time. We have a lack of trust. We have a lack of connection with people. I, I love it. Titus chapter 2 it talks about how older men, older men should pour into younger men, how older women should pour into younger women, how it is important for the life of the church that we transfer not only knowledge but experience to each other as we walk through this life. But see to do that you have to spend time. You have to share your life. God didn't call us didn't, God didn't call us to be a people who come to an event on Sunday but to share our lives with each other. And if you just come to church on Sunday and go to connect group on Wednesday, but you have any other interaction, that's shallow. And I know some of you are like, "Well, why why I got to do life like Jeremy says do life? Why can't I just do it the way I want to do it? Do it the way God says do it?" If you can before God say, "You know what, God? Yes, I am. I, I am sacrificing. I delight in sharing time with other people as I'm growing them closer to Christ. Or how about I delight in sharing?" time with other people as I grow in Christ see so one of the things that, that, that kills me is the greatest way that we grow is a church that's why we only have one service church, it's so that we can grow through connect group, as we spend time in connect group, that's the time for us to connect and have godly community but life isn't just about connect group you need godly community you need people in your life that will help you pursue godly relationships because I don't know if you know it or not. I don't know if your connect group is like mine. But sometimes connect group's shallow and empty because people only to share a little bit of their life. And next thing you know, you hear two weeks ago, all hell's broke loose in their life, but they've been to connect group smiling. What, what's, God, what's God been doing in your life this week? Well, you know, I ain't read my Bible. I ain't spend no time with God. Because we're just going through the routine. Church, I'm telling you, we got to pursue godly relationships. We got to pursue people that can pour into us. We got to pursue people that we can pour out into. Amen. See, a river, a wise old man told me this a couple days ago. A river is life-giving because it's moving water. And it gives life to plants and everything around it but you look at a body of water that's pulled up and there's nothing flowing through it eventually it's going to die the river that pours in because the dead sea is full of life but the dead sea is dead and stagnant because it's not pouring into nothing if you damn up what God's doing in your life eventually you will be stagnant and you will die it's a whole intent the whole way God made it he poured into you so you can pour into somebody else but you got to pour into somebody else because you value them over you. And, church, for us to make a difference in this community, we got to start giving our lives to other people. We got to start saying, you know what? I, I value your walk with God more than my own. I want to pour my life into you. I want to show you I'm not perfect, but let me show you what God's done in me. I want to walk alongside of you through this tragedy. I want to walk alongside of you through this heartache. Let me be beside you in this. Y'all with me? that's what love does that's why Paul moved and he changed so much in all these towns because he was motivated by the gospel he was motivated by love and he knew that sharing his life with other people is what made the difference because people will only listen to you so far until they see that it's real in your life see following God is called more than it's taught You can come and listen to the greatest sermons ever, but if you don't see somebody putting it into action, nothing's going to motivate you to do that. I had an older man in my life a couple weeks ago. I did something that I didn't know that upset him. And we've got this really close relationship in which he knew that it wasn't done maliciously. It wasn't done. It was just done. I was absent-minded and didn't know that this was going to offend him or his wife they're from another culture so another culture is some things that we do in America offends people and we don't even know it but he calls me and he says Jeremy I just want to let you know that when you did this it upset me greatly but I've already forgiven you and we're gonna walk in peace man I'm just telling you so you don't do it again we're gonna walk in victory together we're gonna to walk together in this I love you brother and I'm not mad can you accept that? I'm like, yeah, man, it broke me that I had upset him. But it was such a clearest picture of what it meant to walk in forgiveness. It was the clearest picture I've ever seen to, to address an issue and not stew on it, but to address it and say, look, you did this and it, it set me this way, but I'm not going to hold on to it. We're going to move on. We ain't talked about it since. And Doing life with people like that have grown me. See, a lot of times we're still stagnant old Sammy, stagnant Susie, because we won't do life with nobody. Because we don't trust people, we don't love people, and we've been hurt by people. But to realize that to be the people God's called us to be, to allow the gospel to transform us, I have to do life with other people that the gospel is in. Paul knew that. Timothy would not have been Timothy. Timothy would not have been been used to the magnitude he had been used if he had not submitted his life to Paul to pour into. Paul would have never known what it meant, the joy of pouring his life into someone else if Timothy had not been humble enough to say, yes, Paul, teach me, show me, lead me. Church, I'm telling you that we need to pour our lives into other people. The greatest thing that spoke to me out of this is that making disciples demands that we invest our lives in each other. And if we're going to make a difference in the communities around us, then we have to learn how to sacrifice us for the kingdom. And if you're not interested in that, then you're not really interested in the gospel. Because the gospel demands that I sacrifice me. The gospel demands that I rigorously abandon my rights and I love you unconditionally. The the gospel demands that I sacrifice myself for the greater good of your well-being. And until we grab a hold of that, nothing's going to change in our communities. We're going to be doing churches as empty as we ever have done it. But when we get a hold of what love really means, let me tell you what. It's going to set a fire in the communities around us that, that nobody can put out. But we have to desire God's love more than anything. We have to desire to walk it out. We have to desire Him more than anything. And you know what I love about God? Is that He gave us this powerful word. He gave us all this perfect gift. But you know what? We have to want it. For it to change us we have to want it for it to change our communities. And we can come to fancy meetings and dress up and say, I want it, I want it, and leave these doors and never apply it and it's useless. Here's a great way I'm fixing the clothes. But the amount in which you want God is directly tied to the amount you're walking in. If you're not walking in him, you don't want him. Because to walk means I'm taking the next step. I'm anticipating this next step. I want more of God right now than I did when I got started. You know what I'm doing? I'm hoping when I get home, I'm going to be able to get back in this thing and read it some more. Because I'm walking with God. Some of us are playing hopscotch and jumping from one place to the other. And not diving in and walking with God, church. If we want to see God do amazing things, then we have to submit our life to God. So, what areas of that touched you? What areas in that do you need to love people? Do you not do you not know how to love people? Maybe you need to say, God, I need to have that that long suffering kind of love for people. Maybe I need to God. Maybe I need to be have that that love that don't hold no record of wrongs. Maybe you need to come up here and lay that record of wrongs on this altar in a minute and say, God, take them from me. Maybe you need to come and say, God, I don't really like sacrificing my time. God, maybe, maybe I, Lord, when I sacrifice to do this and this, then, then it means I don't have to spend as much time with my family. God, if i am got my family as an idol, then Lord, show me. Let's make sure we're right before God. Amen? So we can change the community around us. Let's stand. Father, as we if we heard your word and God it's, it's, so, it's so awesome to me how one verse can be so powerful but God I pray that that will be the cries of our hearts I pray God that the Lord my heart to my neighbor would, would be like a mother nursing an infant because I love you so much that I not only delight in sharing the gospel with you, but I delight in sharing my life. Lord, let that be the cry of our heart. God, let it be the cry of our soul. God, take away the garbage. God, take away the things that are keeping us from walking the way you want us to walk. God, humble us. God, bring us to a place in which we can let love do its work. And we can allow your gospel to work through us and reconcile relationships, reconcile years and years and years of racial division in our community. God, help us, Father. Be a people who not only read your word, but we do it. Not only read your word, but we let it change us. And it motivates us to want so God, I pray for the man and woman here that they've been walking with you for 30 years. God, I pray you give them a, a, just a crazy amount of hunger to want more. I pray for the man and woman that have been struggling. They're looking for acceptance. They're looking for, for just, not they don't know what they want. They just feel stagnant. They feel dried up. I pray, God, that you would revive them this morning. God, I pray for those who are who are leaders in this room who've been pouring their lives into people who've seen non-interested, I pray that you would give them Father, right now in the name of Jesus I pray you would give them endurance, I pray you would give them perseverance, and I pray God you would give them patience God, help us lead each other closer to the cross help us lead each other, Father, closer to the reality of who you are God, help us lead each other in such a way that when men and women see us, our face would shine before them like like Stephen's face did in the moment of persecution God, move in us us be your people so that the people around us will know that you are our God. In Jesus'